Hi there, everybody. This is Lauren Mull. We are on location today at the fabulous Wiki Wiki Grok Shop here in beautiful Napa Valley, California, USA. Aloha. We're soaking in, as you say, the mysterious and exotic South Sea beauties. I love recording the shows from here today. We've got Dr. Alan Steen, and he's back. We've had him a couple times before, and I just love being able to hear your stories. And today, we're not going to talk about anything in particular. We're just going to hear stories from Napa Valley's most interesting man. A gentleman and a scholar. And a judge of fine Irish whiskey. Ah, well, you came to the right place. This is the Grog Shop, but we've got a little uh, little taste of that down here. So we'll, maybe we'll have a little something once the show gets going. Well, again, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Anytime. We invite you to join us at Judd's Family's Winery on the south end of Silverado Trail at Judd's Hill Winery, located at 2332 Silverado Trail. Visiting information is available at www.juddshill.com. That's right. And as long as you're online, you can have a look around, check out our fun videos. There's wine-related poetry. And guess what? There's also wine. We just redesigned the website. It looks great. Have a look at which wines are available. You can put them in your shopping cart. And what do you think? Should we give them a little uh, bonus for being a listener? Just for being a loyal listener, type in coupon code JNVS. All in lowercase letters, please. No capitals. That stands for Judd's Napa Valley Show. And you'll get 15% off your entire wine order. Not bad. If you want a better deal than that, you can join our Judd's Hill Wine Club. That way you're guaranteed to try all of our wines. You get a really good price on them. And you get invitations to fun events, parties, and uh, some other special perks. It's free to join, and we would love to have you as part of the family. That sounds great. All right. Well, let's get to the show, shall we? That we will. All right, enjoy. It's always Finkalicious on Judd's Napa Valley Show. Get ready for another hero of fascinating things to know. From witty and intriguing people on Judd's Napa Valley Show. No sales script and no rehearsing. Live from a Napa studio. You may be that intriguing person on Judd's Napa Valley Show. Pardon me. I'll have a Chardonnay, a marvelous date, it's hard to say. I know we never talk about the Sauvignon Blanc. It's a must-have on the podcast. It's Judd's Napa Valley Show. You can't ease this flow if I elaborate over a Cabernet. My buddy's the truth. You should study my man Juddy and learn something new. I'm here in the grog shop with Judd, praying for rain in California so that Judd can make more Judd's Hill wine. I'll ask the man behind the bar if he can help the little old wine drinker, me. And now, coming to you from the exotic South Seas beauty of Napa Valley's most exclusive cocktail lounge, the Wiki Wiki Grog Shop, say aloha to this taste of paradise. It's time for some exotic discussions on Judd's Napa Valley Show. I'm 151 Swizzle, Lauren Mole, and here's your host, Judd Fingelstein. Uh, thank you much. Thank you much. Thank you much, Mr. Lauren Mole. Mahalo much, I should say. We're here at the Wiki Wiki Grog Shop in the, as you said, the exotic South Seas beauty. And it's always a pleasure to be here. And thank you for that prayer for rain. We are in the drought and... Um, 
we could use a little bit. Harvest is wrapped up, so let it rain, let it rain. Exactly. What are you doing these days, sir? Well, I just got done with an MC gig uh, uh, a few days ago on the, on the 6th of this month. What were you doing? Well, me and uh, Artie Party from the uh, Napa Show on Channel 28, we got to be co-MCs at, uh, at the Mayor's Breakfast at Chardonnay Golf Club. Oh, wow, that's a big deal. It was. We had a lot of fun. It was put on by the uh, Napa Valley Committee on Disabilities. Wonderful, wonderful. Um, that must have been exciting. There must have been many of the city and county luminaries there. Exactly. And it uh, sounds like you were doing some good for a lot of folks, we as did. you always are doing. Well, we yeah, we, we had such a wonderful time. Good. I'm glad to hear that. You know, we don't have a lot of banter today. I mean, I don't want to spend a lot of time bantering because we've got a guest who's got Lots to talk about. So I'm just going to mention something really quick. Go ahead. Folks who would like to join me on an Alaskan adventure, we're taking a Judd's Hill wine cruise June 30th through July 17th of 2017. Tons of fun. Uh, there's going to be a Judd's Hill wine dinner, wine tastings. I'm going to give a couple of intriguing educational and entertaining wine seminars while on board. And then you get all the beauty of Alaska and excursions and hiking on glaciers and I think you can go fishing. You can do all the stuff that you want to do in Alaska. Way, way fun. And information is at judshill.com. Just click on our events tab and you'll see how to book that. That sounds like fun. Yeah, I hope folks will come. I know uh, we've already sold a dozen or so cabins, so folks are coming. But I'd love to have more friends aboard, so feel free to come. Yeah, let's just hope nobody gets seasick. I hope so. It'd probably be me. I've got a history of that. But uh, I, I don't know, actually. I've never been on a big cruise like this. We did the river cruise uh, this this past uh, spring in France, and that was very smooth, but it was a river. So I'm hoping Alaska, it'll be the inside passage in a time when it's not supposed to be stormy. So hopefully that'll be very smooth as well. Smooth sailing with Judd. Come along for the ride. Well, there you go. Lauren, let's get right to the show, shall we? Okay, Judd. And now, making his third appearance on this very show, we welcome back to Judd's Napa Valley show, one of Napa Valley's most interesting characters, a gentleman and a scholar, Dr. Alan Steen. Hello. Hey, good morning. Can I go home now? I mean, how was that can, enough? How Sadly, can you, no. How can you updo that thing? <laughs> He's good. He's good. All, everybody loves a good Lauren introduction. I want to surprise my host. And my nephew, for that matter. Oh yeah, we should. We should. You know, in what, what do they call that? Full disclosure. Full disclosure. Not only are you, have you been dubbed Napa Valley's most interesting man and legendary character, but you're also my uncle. Well, I, okay. So you and, mentioned nephew. That's and me. Proud to say so. Really, you admit it, and I thank you so much. Okay, what were you about to say? I lived in Alaska. You forgot to mention that. You didn't give me a chance. I saw you uh, laughing over there, and I saw I, I, I saw you grinning, and I thought, uh-oh, there's no way we're going to get him on this cruise because I know how you felt about your time there. Well, I was there courtesy of our partners in Washington, D.C., who uh, put their hands in your rear pocket every quarter to support their endeavors. At uh, any rate, uh, it, you're going to find probably if they do take the inside passage— it's rather, rather good. It, uh, very few people are badly involved by the, the jumping up and down of the ocean. So I. That's what I hear. Fear, I, fear not. I'm not. I'm not too scared. But yeah. I know that you were in Alaska for some time, uh, doing your army service, and you, 
you don't even hardly touch an ice cube to this day. It, it rid you of any desire to be in the cold, didn't Absolutely it? Absolutely 100%. Yes, you're right. You travel the world. In fact, we're lucky we got you. Tomorrow you're heading off to uh, Thailand, Cambodia, Laos. You avoid the cold weather <laughs> countries, don't you? You head to Mexico several <laughs> times a year. Assiduously, yes. <laughs> I, I do avoid the cold. But nevertheless, uh, I was thinking about uh, the adventures I've had in my life. And you and I have talked about them in different periods. Uh, what has led me to do all of this? I was thinking about this, you know. You, and what do you need to really... I've been in over 120 countries in the world. Uh, wow. Yeah, well, one That's or two. amazing. My point is, is what do you need to... <laughs> talk yourself into doing all of this. And I think two things have come to the fore without a question. And one is you, you have to be, have a chance or want to want to take a risk because mm -hmm. there are risks involved. And you have to be married to a wonderful woman who goes along with all your risk taking. And I've been lucky enough to have that with my wife, Charlene. Yeah, she is no um, stranger to taking risks and just going for it. Today she is in Bhutan, in the mountains. That's right. They're there already, uh, she yeah. and the rest of your party, and you're meeting up with them. Yeah, in Bangkok, yes. Wow. The, uh, <laughs> I, just, I got an email which informed me that because of the bad weather they have in the mountains of Bhutan, where they are, she is a, uh, has a master's in art history and mm -hmm. is interested in different kinds of local art. And uh, they went out way in the mountains where it took them 11 hours to go 96 miles yesterday. Through the mountains, wow. Well, that's the risks you take when you run around the world. Wow, did the mountains disintegrate yeah, on them? Or? Yeah, the roads oh. are apparently horrible. Oh dear. And there was very heavy rains. They had to keep digging out of mud and mm. rock slides and so on. But they found there's, some. A, there's a perverse part of my aunt that I think might even enjoy that. <laughs> it makes for a good story to tell later. I guess it it does, but she she also went, at the end of her little note said we found some great art yeah in, that, and music today right so it wasn't all terrible and that's the point of the travel for her is the cultural but that's experience. just part of the way we wander around the world that's what we enjoy ourselves well I would like to toast to your safe travels if you wouldn't mind since we're here at the grog shop can I pour you a little uh can I pour you a little something or other. Uh, I think you could, yes. <laughs> oh, I'll give it a shot. You know, I don't have... The, the grog shop is great, but there's no microphone stand, so I'm going to have to set this down. It might sound like a little thud here while I while I pick up some rum. I tell you, I, I only drink if I'm with somebody or, or alone. Well, you're in luck. Uh, <laughs> Today. You didn't inform me about these goodies. That's there wonderful. Go, doctor. So to your safe travels and healthy return. Good health. Lauren, there you go. A little something for you. Here's a little... Uh, I know you spend a lot of time in South America in your travels, so this is from Venezuela. This is a nice uh, Reserva Diplomatico, and cheers. Cheers. All right, let's take a sip, and then we'll get on with it. Again, you don't know this, but I love Venezuelan rum, and I almost missed an airplane scooting around the airport trying to find this one particularly rum I, I wanted to take home. Oh, yeah? Do you remember the... Uh, the I, I do not, but it was a fantastic uh, drink. Oh, hey, wow. This isn't bad either. <laughs> no, that's not bad <laughs> thank at all. Thank you. Thank you. So 120-something countries. Can you tell me about some of them that really stuck with you, really affected you in some way? Yeah, I, I was just thinking of the one that had the greatest imprint 
on my soul. But I've been in so many and had such varied experiences that it's rather hard to, to pick something out that sticks out. I think, I think, believe it or not, that when I went back uh, to Spain, I had been to Spain before I met my wife, mm-hmm. and I dropped back in to a barbecued pig's joint. As a, I'm trying to think of the <laughs> Spanish word, and I will. You should uh, know that, you are that I knew when I was a bachelor before I had the opportunity to, you know, meet my wife. And lo and behold, it hadn't changed a hair. It still was fabulous. The food was wonderful. The drinks were even better. And it was uh, it was amazing to me. This is probably about 30 years after I had first been to Spain. And they probably remembered you. You uh, make an impression. No, but I did do that to a, a bartender in Cuba. Let's hear that. Well, okay. I went to Cuba during the 1946 and 1947, mm. during the period of Fugalencio Batista, who uh, some people may remember before Fidel, Fidelito, right, right. or the, El Viejo, as he's called in, in Cuba. And uh, it was a wonderful place, uh, a very fine restaurant, and uh, I got great service. It, it happened to be the restaurant where Hem- Heming- the great writer Hemingway used to hang out also. I've heard of him, sure. Okay. And, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and we were we were on a quiz boat, a cruise boat. We were going to get a quiz. We got off the <laughs> boat, and there was a big crowd of people by this uh, this great restaurant. They had a line about a half a block long. I went up to ask the Montreux Hotel how long I'd have to wait, and uh, you know he said, "Well, at least half an hour or something." I said, well, that's a little long. And then he looked at me very carefully. And then he said, are you a doctor? <laughs> I said, well, yeah, as a matter of fact. Is this I, unfolding in Spanish? What? Is uh, this unfolding in uh, Spanish? Uh, uh, pretty much, yeah. yeah. Well, no, he knew some English, but we spoke Spanish. Well, I know you're fluent Cu- Spanish. Well, uh, Cuban Spanish is horrendous. But at any rate, and he said, are you, a, you were a friend of Jesomato. I said, yes, I was. You were in Cuba. He said, well, we have, this is our restaurant. And he said, uh, did you like to drink mojitos? I said, yes, I did, as a matter of fact. <laughs> and he said, you know how many years has it been? He said, I don't remember your name, but I do remember you were a doctor. Well, I said, well, it looks like it's gonna be about an hour before I can get to see you inside. He said, nah, he said, go to the back of the line and just stand there for a few moments, please. And I did. About all of a sudden, he came to the door with his great big menu and said, Dr. Steen, your table is now ready. (laughs) (laughs) Came out, picked me up, and took me to the table and flambéed and whatever, did all the goodies for Mm. us. I had a, a glorious evening. Is it, but can you believe after those many years? I mean, I was so, so astounded. It's remarkable, but knowing you and having been out and about with you, you make an impression on people. And so I'm not that surprised that you would be remembered and, and treated well. It was really true. I thought maybe they would 
throw me out. I, I, <laughs> you don't make that kind of impression on folks. Anyway, that, 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 that was one. Go you mentioned Hemingway. Yes. Now, I think I've heard you mention as well that you have met and maybe sat at a bar or hung out with the actual old man of The Old Man in the Sea. Absolutely. We had a few drinks together. Oh, we've got to hear about this. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I went out uh, to see the... the Hemingway's farm, which is called a finca. And when is this? It's a, it's a, no, when are we talking? Like what year? Oh, 1947. It's in that, during that time. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I wasn't married. Okay. That, yeah. And uh, the, the moment he died, when Hemingway died, they shut the place down and left everything exactly as it was at the moment he passed away. You know, as you know, he committed suicide. Yeah, tragically, yes. Tragically. At any rate, the, uh, and it was everything, even the papers on his desk were not moved an inch. I mean, uh, Hemingway got so he up. He might have been writing a letter and it just was. Whatever it, it was, was, it was, just as it was on wow. the moment of his death. He got up very early in the morning. He was a disciplined man, believe it or not. He would go to work, he would have a, uh, an uno, a, a cup of very black co- coffee, mm-hmm. and he would, and uh, but no alcohol, no alcohol at all. Started in the morning, st- right in the morning. Yeah. He started writing. No one was allowed to knock on his door, try to come in. His phone was cut off, and he didn't see anyone until noon. Mm. I mean, he wrote every morning continually with no break and he then would stop at noon and have a glass of rum i mean a glass of rum uh not a little uh, not a little porn or snifter like we're enjoying exactly he'd fill it up and he would then join with his friends and they would start to drink and they would go to clubs together starting in the afternoon or, or or go fishing and he would drink till he fell asleep in the, in, the, in the evening. But in the morning, he was a disciplined writer. He, uh, he, he knew that's how he made his living. Right. And, uh, and he did that. I got to talk to the old man who sort of hung around the house there at the farm. Of Old Man in the Sea. Uh, of the Old Man in the Sea. Okay, let's hear this. And uh, he was a very interested guy. He was quite old, very old. And yet he had all his marbles. He remembered practically every detail of Hemingway's life. And they used to go fishing together. He always joined Ernest uh, on the boat to go, to go fishing. And that was a really, to, to see that actually someone existed <laughs> based on that incredible book, of course, that really turned me on. I really, I enjoyed that. It's many little sort of things that show up in your travels sort of by accident, but not really, uh, give you vivid memories of something you, you tuck away to share with other people at a cocktail party, yeah. uh, which I have been somewhat adroit at. <laughs> <laughs> There's no doubt you have that reputation around town uh, uh, as being it, the interesting man. But I have, I have had a, a lot of experience in travels all over South America uh, be, because my my mother-in-law was a, a widow mm. and she was a very fine violinist and she met him in the doctor's symphony he was a, he was a 
Peruvian doctor uh, who played very good fiddle, and they fell in love and got married. He was also the crew, uh, the Peruvian uh, consul in Los Angeles for 28 years. So I got to know a lot of people during those days when he was as the consul. So he also, was the consul. So when folks were in town, Peruvian bigwigs. They would come to my house. They would come to your house? My house. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm talking about uh, Dr. Oh, Aragon oh, in oh, yeah. Los Angeles. And, and they but came to is, L.A. They, this they, is what led to you. And I did want to bring this up, so I'm glad you got here. Yeah. And how you became the Peruvian consul to Napa Valley. Yeah, you got I mean, it. I just gave away the punchline, but let's hear the story about how this happened. Oh, well, he, this was the Peruvian foreign minister, the Ministerio de las Relaciones Exteriores, who came up to visit my winery. And we also gave him a pretty sumptuous supper and a fairly large volume of wine. And he got a little anesthetized. And as he was stumbling out my front door, he said, he, uh, into his limousine, he said to my father-in-law in Spanish, what can I do for your son-in-law? And my father-in-law said, oh, make him a consul. And then we all <laughs> laughed, ha, 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 ha. And then guess what? Three, uh, I forgot about it, to tell you the truth. About three months later, a parchment package came <laughs> with my name on it as the, as the consul the consul for the wine country of, for Peru, signed by the president of Peru. Oh, my goodness. And uh, I well, got, I really, that was very nice because, you know, the consuls, or maybe you don't know, they get a special consular license plate, which are issued by the uh, ambassador in Washington. I remember you had this on your car. Yeah, and you can park your car anywhere you want. You're not lo uh, subject to local law about where you leave your automobile. But you would never take advantage of that, of I'm sure. Of course I would. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, yes, I, if, if I was- Around Napa Valley, probably not a problem, but driving into San Francisco or something like that. Well, uh, this Oakland. Was, Oakland, uh, but this guy, I know, I know the doctor here likes to go to the symphony. Parking's a little tight around there. You've never just pulled up in front of Davies Hall and left oh, the car. Oh, you bet your sweet boopy, baby. You did, oh no. <laughs> We, yeah, I did. Uh, what does Zero Mostel say in the uh, producers? If, uh, if you got it, flaunt it, baby, flaunt it. Okay. Well, what happened is, is uh, in those days, you, we lived uh, up in Santa Elena. Mm -hmm. I could usually make it down to the opera house in one hour flat with no sweat. Nowadays, wow. it's, it's often two hours. No, yeah, yeah. My point being is uh, I would get down there in my one hour flat but then there was no parking place. Mm. Well, once I got my needy old <laughs> plates on my car, I just pull right up in that driveway next to the, the Symphony Hall and leave my car. And the, and the local police, when they see that on your license plate, don't touch your car. Oh, I was a not little, one to take advantage. What were some of your other uh, duties uh, as oh. the no, consul I, to the wine country? Well, I did. I, if people came from Peru, uh, they were always told to, to give me a call and I would entertain them. I would take them out to dinner. Uh, I would. Uh, I took care of guests. If people were going to Peru, I had been all over the country. Right. I, I sort of gave them advice, and I would tell them how to where to go, people to avoid, people to look up, and so forth when they were there. And who knew me? A nice place to eat. Uh, 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 nice places to eat, and some of the. 
Peru is not very famous for their wines, which are made in an area called Ica, mm. uh, I-C-A, which is in the southern part. It's a very warm climate. Mm. Uh, it, they, they are what they call uh, big stand up and they stand up and flex their muscles if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. They they're not subtle wines, but uh, and I would tell them which one of those are the and of course they make that. We all know what is the name of that alcoholic beverage down there? Pisco. Pisco. You know, you know what people don't know what pisco is. It's crude grape brandy. That's I don't know why they don't call it brandy, but they, we should be drinking that here. Finish up that rum. I'll oh, pull out some I, pisco. No, I. I You're all right. Okay. I'm, you I'm let very, me know. I'm very careful. Okay. At my point, I enjoyed that. I, my, that career lasted for three years. Mm. I uh, I was then fired by the incoming president, who was uh, an architect who didn't know which end was up. Well, he was. Obviously he not. He, well, well, who replaced you? Well, they, is didn't, there... they didn't get any free wine from the Napa Valley, I can tell you that. I guess sure. not. Is, yeah. is there, was there then, after you, and is there now, a Peruvian consul to wine country? Or was that something no, created no, that, for you? No, no, I think he just... He made it up for he you. He made it up. There is a well, Peruvian consul here in uh, Santa, San, uh, San, San Francisco. San Francisco. Well, sure, sure. Yeah. Now, there, getting important titles is nothing new for you, because I also recall... When I was quite a bit younger, you and my father were also bestowed some very important titles by a visitor who had come from Kentucky. <laughs> yes, we were Kentucky colonels. Yes, right. Believe it or not. <laughs> well, I believe it. I thought it was yeah. one of the greatest things I'd ever heard, that if my dad and my uncle were all of a sudden Kentucky colonels. Yeah. How did that come about? Frankly, it was one of our clients when we were in the wine business who wasn't Kentucky— Colonel, who liked us mm -hmm. and went to the powers that be and said, I know these two guys up at the Napa Valley. <laughs> Would you mind making them part of the game? And they did, which was was wonderful. And, and what did that entail? I don't remember, at least for my father, him really having to do anything to, he never really signed his name, Colonel Finkelstein. Uh -huh. He got a catalog once in a while where he could buy a bolo tie and something like that. But but what, uh, what are the Kentucky colonels? Uh, we... We went to a whole bunch of affairs and had a lot of booze okay. <laughs> and a lot of fun. Okay, and my follow-up question, how do I become one? Then? <laughs> uh, I wonder, I haven't heard about those guys in years, but uh, they were, they would love the high life. That was, that was a lot, it was a lot of fun. I, I do remember that. Did you, something I just found out about a couple nights ago, 80% of, of uh, Kentucky is dry. Which I, I shocked the heck out of me. Hard to believe with all of the delicious of course. bourbon and whiskey. Well, you being see the three-quarter ton pickups coming to the northern part of the state, which is the wet part of the state, the upper 20%, loading up their cases of booze, but you know, bootlegging it down to the south, 80% of Kentucky. I just throw that in as a useless piece of information about which I'm very expert. This is an educational program no. as well, so I appreciate <laughs> right. that. Any little tidbit? Well, you've certainly had a, a great path. When you got into college, you worked in radio, so this is nothing yes, I did. strange to you. I, what type of programming were you doing, in, and I, what was I the was, station? Uh, well, it, it was their FM uh, station. University of Illinois yeah. had um, a, a AM license, which went off at sundown 
and the FM, which closed at 11 p.m. So when the AM license went off, I, I and a friend of mine, Jay Harnick, who uh, who was, uh, oh, we'll get we'll get to that. Anyhow, we'll we, we, and what we did was introduce classical records, and and if we wanted to, we could look up some history in that and add some details if we felt like it. The station let it let, let us do whatever the heck we want, which I think was a lot of fun. And what were you doing? Were you playing music? Were you doing little comedic bits? A little of no, all I above? was just playing. The, we had an engineer who. Oh did, my goodness! Oh, oh this. Lauren, how do we get one of those? <laughs> I'd say just contact somebody. Okay. <laughs> Get on that, will you? Uh, all I can okay, say. Thanks. <laughs> so uh, we both we shared, you know, alternating. What we did between between uh, our announcements, we studied. We brought our books. We studied, and we got paid, which is pretty neat. You know, how can you go wrong? Uh, sounds I, good. Sounds sounds a little like how I started as a teen. Played records at KVYN on Sunday nights and studied you, in between. But. What was it? Your Bud, your... That's right. Your Bud Judd every your 6 Bud to Judd. 9 on the Vine. Oh, or my 6 God. to 9 on the Vine every Sunday. Keep... Oh, hold on a second. Hold on. This is your Bud Judd from 6 to 9 on the Vine every Sunday night, keeping you company before he set that alarm for AM Monday. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Wonderful. That was when I was 17 years old. Wow, wow, wow. Braces. People would come in the studio. Usually there was nobody there, but... If folks ever did come in and they'd see me, they'd did, look and say, did you're you do, Judd? Because I had a deep voice back then. They couldn't believe it was a high school kid. Did, did you do your, your own spinning? Uh, well, I had to follow a rotation. Uh -huh. It was pretty much laid out what I was going to have to play. And it, did they buy that those programs you used to get, uh, the hourly programs? In the mornings. That's how I started. My first week there, I was spinning on vinyl, the pre-recorded Casey Kasem's Top 40 Countdown. Oh, I know you can do Casey Kasem, can't you, Lauren? And now we've reached a number one record on our top forty countdown. That's right. So I was spinning Fantastic. that. I had to. I had to. I had to drop the needle at six a.m. I didn't wow. care for that. But I was only there for one week doing that until their Sunday night guy left, and they said, "How'd you like the gig?" And I jumped at it. And that's how my career in radio began. I worked there for my senior year in high school, and then did such a good job that twenty-four years later, they asked me to come back and <laughs> do the show. <laughs> All right, but anyway, getting back to you, you probably took it seriously in the music, but I got to imagine there was some kookiness going on. You probably had some shenanigans on the air. Well, we had one of the finest shenanigans. I love shenanigans. Oh, I know you do. That's why I'm asking. There must that's have a good old Irish word. <laughs> we had uh, next to our microphone a little box, and it had what we called a cough switch. And what it is is, is if you feel you had to cough, you... There was a little switch. You push down the switch when you hold it down. You were off the air. <clears throat> You'd cough, clear your throat, whatever, so forth. And then when you were ready to come back, you just let the switch up. Well, I and the engineer figured out a fiendish trip. <laughs> what, okay. we did, what we did is uh, to, know, to show the switch was on, there was a little light on that went on at the same time you put that switch down. We went in and just unscrewed the bulb on the light. Simple as that. Well, it looks like well, it isn't working, right? Mm -hmm. And then I said a bunch of very nasty stuff through the intercom that we had going to the engineer's place. And uh, I knew he was going to say something really not nice. As he walked this? In. this is the uh, on-air uh, Jay Harnick. Oh, Jay, okay. Jay. 
and Jay walked in the studio, and I pushed the thing down, and I said something not very nice. Donald Trump would have denied it, but I said it. <laughs> okay. And he, and then I and then I and, and then I uh, I watched him, and he let the the switch up. Well, what did he say? We can bleep oh. it out. Go ahead; it'll make for good radio. I said, "What are you up to, you motherfucker?" And he said, then he said something back to me. He said, "Well, you ought to know, you know, and uh, whatever." <laughs> but as he let that switch up, he suddenly realized the light did not go on. And you know, in the car- cartoons in the movies, how the color comes out of your face when, yeah. when something <laughs> horrible happens. Yeah, his uh, he went pale. Meanwhile, I had the engineer shut up. To, uh, with telephones in both ears going, oh, my God. What <laughs> oh, pretending like people were calling uh, in in rage. Well, yeah, that, that yeah, went off yeah. over the air. Uh, and, and I never saw a man who lost his circulatory pallor. <laughs> he sat there and he just, and I finally said to the engineer, you know, let him off the hook. Uh, let him off because he, I thought he might get sick. Oh, no. But, but what a fiendishly delightful thing to do. Shame on you, doctor. Uh, I was a bad boy. You but. were. We're going to take a break. Okay. And we'll be back. This is Dr. Alan Steen, Napa Valley's most interesting man and legendary character of wine country. We'll be back with more of this special Jun's Napa Valley show from the Wiki Wiki Grog Shop right after these messages. Jud's Napa Valley Show. Every episode, a veritable cornucopia of finkel fun. At 1440 on your AM dial in Napa and Santa Rosa and streaming live in the magnificent Caribbean Islands at kvon.com, back to Jud's Napa Valley Show from the Wiki Wiki Grog Shop. Thank you very much, Lauren Mole. That's right. Anywhere folks can get the internet, you can uh, hear the show via kvon.com. And you can also go to the Apple iTunes store and subscribe. Just look up Judd's Napa Valley Show. We podcast all of these. And you can listen to past episodes as well. We're here with Dr. Alan Steen, third time. I think it's the first time we've had a third time guest with us. And we're just hearing stories. We're really not talking about anything specific. We're finding out what makes you Napa Valley's most interesting man and legendary character. Welcome to the Grog Shop. Well, wow. I, I, like I said before, I think I'm now overwhelmed. I, can I go home now? <laughs> Sadly, no. There's the portal. Well, number one, may, may I thank you for inviting me into this wiki wiki uh, grog shop, which is unbelievably gorgeous, and uh, the 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 liaison here between myself and these uh, gorgeous liqueurs needs to be met. Uh, it's absolutely beautiful, and, and again, thank you for inviting me to here to tell some of the unbelievable things I haven't done. Well, uh, me grog shop uh, is Sue grog shop, no. and I welcome you here anytime. <laughs> and if you weren't heading to Bangkok and Cambodia and Laos tomorrow, I'd say come back tomorrow well, but okay. when you come back we want to hear about your trip okay just before the break you were talking about uh working at the radio station at university of illinois right and you mentioned your partner on the air jay harnick who take your time Jay. i know i'm sorry i'm looking at this room like do i take a sip now or do i wait it's calling me but he and his brother sheldon harnick were your buddies 
And Sheldon became a famous lyricist, particularly noted for writing the lyrics to Fiddler on the Roof. And this was one of your college pals. Well, uh, uh, Jay was my roommate in college. Mm. This was his brother who went to Northwestern University. Ah. Fiddler on the Roof, he did She Loves Me, uh, The Rothschilds. Uh, I think Fiorello, is that one of his? Fiorello, another yeah. one of the shows. There, one time there were five Broadway shows running at the same time, the lyrics of which came from Sheldon Harnick. Now, do you have any uh, memories of running around with him and some kooky things that happened? Well, I ran around with him before he got into Broadway oh. at Northwestern. There was a show that went on every spring called the Mu Show, the Women's Athletic Oh. something in the men's union. Okay. It was all original musical uh, writ- written by students and so on. And many, many producers and directors and sat came to Northwestern University every spring to see the talent. Mm-hmm. And then some of them were hired directly from Northwestern University. Uh, the, uh, I'm just trying to think of some of the... Who, the Paul Lind, who was... You sure. might might have remembered Paul Lynn. Oh, absolutely, from uh, uh, Bewitched, Uncle Arthur. Yeah. And from the original Hollywood Squares with Peter Marshall. Oh, without you, a doubt, most famous. Exactly, very and, good. Uh, as Mr. Uh, McAfee in Bye Bye Birdie. Wow, you guys, <laughs> tremendous. Who are we memory. talking about again? Uh, okay. <laughs> and uh, Carol Lawrence, uh, the the singer. Oh, uh, sure. And, uh, and, I, and I'm trying to... Th- oh, and the, the lady who, the, the, who played the old widow with the, the, the girl's... Uh, how Charlotte Ray Charlotte Ray who yes. incidentally I knew quite well she was a total scream a lovely lady just came out with a book about her uh, life oh really yeah I think it's called the facts of life or something some play on the name of the show she was on facts of life or facts of my life something like that I'm and, giving her a plug she should come on my show now Sheldon Harnick incidentally was a violin major at Northwestern but wrote the lyrics for many of these shows that they that they did on campus mm. And uh, when he got out of school, he went to the Pennsylvania, uh, what do you call, where's Jesse Jesse Grossinger's? That's in New York. Oh, the resort in the Catskills. Yeah, that's there. But in Pennsylvania also there is a a series of others. My point being is he met a guy by the name of uh, Bach, and they, they teamed up together. And they oh. wrote most of uh, Jerry Bach. They yeah, wrote Fiddler most the of the. Uh, he he, she, Sheldon is still alive. Uh, Jerry Bach passed away a few years ago, mm-hmm. but they wrote most of the shows together, and they had an, an enormously wonderful op, uh, love for one another. They, they they were great partners. I know he's still around, and not that long ago, I think he even wrote a, a new song for the revival of Fiddler on the Roof. He and, wrote the uh, new song for his mother, who is Barbara Berry, the actress, uh, who's going to pay Yenta. In, in his film. mother? No, probably his... His mother. Well, that his, would, she's not old enough to be his mother. No, 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 no. Their son. Oh, oh the son. bigger pardon. Yes. Aaron Harnick. Yeah, their okay. son uh, was the producer yeah. of, the, of the revival. And he didn't like his mother's work, and he fired her. What? <laughs> How's that for... Uh, that's for all the all the things I've done for you, <laughs> Mamala. Oh my goodness! Isn't that weird? We Any should uh, we should give him a ring when you get back, and maybe we get you both on the show. Have a little uh, uh, walk down memory lane. Well, That'd be fun. He's a, well. He was a good friend of, of a gentleman who's now gone to Israel, who made kosher wine here. 
Oh, yeah? Who was a sax player. Oh, oh. um... Yeah. Jeffrey. Yeah, Morgan. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're buddies. No kidding. Yeah. Uh-huh. Morgan was a professional sax player in New York City. Yeah, yeah. Very well recognized and hired a lot, believe it or not. I've talked to him about this. He's, oh, he's you an did. Inter- interesting cat. And hey, was this... Not to get off this subject, but I'm just curious because I know somehow Artie Johnson figures into this group. Was he Indeed. part of that same? Was he part of that same WAMU group? No, was he was at Illinois. Else? He and I uh, wrote songs to get together. You and Artie Johnson, famous yeah. of laughing. Yeah, who did very interesting. Yeah, he did that when he was a freshman in college. Really, that was he one brought of his, that uh, character with him. One, yeah, one old character thing that he did. He was a fun guy. We had a. I really, he would drive me crazy. He was, let's hear, he, let's, he, hear he, let's have a story. He was a very funny guy. I have a, a sad story to say oh. in that he, when he got out of college, he went to New, New York and he got a job almost immediately in Guys and Dolls as one of the gangster things. Some, of, some Broadway or television producer found him they put him in a show. He did very well in the show for a while. And they decided to move him to Hollywood and do a, a, a show featuring Artie Johnson. It, I'm trying to say it nicely. It, 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 didn't, have a, it didn't have a run. They didn't find their audience. It didn't have a run. It had a 50-yard dash. Mm. Uh, it, it went off. didn't do well. He, meantime, he had married a very nice-looking Broadway actress. When that happened, she left him. Uh, when that happened, he went into acute depression. When that he was uh, he was hired a lot of psychiatrists. He developed some bad illnesses from the uh, ulcer diet he had because that he developed ulcer as a result of his. So he was in bad shape. But he had a brother who was a very successful. A producer in Hollywood, uh, uh, and I'm trying to think of his, his brother's name. Uh, any rate, he he straightened him out, got him, and got him a job uh, at uh, what's a men's store in Beverly Hills. Everybody, Carolyn Sons. Okay, uh, he was and, selling suits. He was in haberdasher. In haberdasher, very nice haberdasher. My point being, one of his customers at the, Artie's customers was Stan Freeberg. Oh, Stan great. F- Stan Freeberg liked Artie a lot, and he was going to do a Greyhound bus t- depot uh, commercial. Yeah, Stan Freeberg's commercials said, are yeah, legendary. And, and he said to Artie, I think you'd be just perfect for my commercial. Mm-hmm. You'd like to come on. Of course, after Artie had been, what well, he had been through, he sure as hell did. That was seen by the producers of what Laugh-In, and they hired him off that commercial to do Laugh In, and the rest is history. He did well. I saw him at a party many many years ago, and he was out of the business pretty much. And I said to him, did, did you make a lot of bucks out of that show? And he said, I didn't. But that show led to Hollywood Squares. Mm. They paid very, very well. So this long roundabout route of uh, being a, a star on a Broadway show to going through all these things in his life. And he ended up, he he is a big sea f- a, a fisher. He likes big fish. And he lives on the Kona coast oh, of, of, Hawaii. Of, of Hawaii now. 
Yeah, or you did the last time I talked with him. Well, we got to get everybody was, together. We got to have the Alan but, Steen um, reunion here. But yeah, you know, uh, I saw him. Coslow Johnson was his brother. Coslow, very, very well known among Hollywood producers. That's a great name. Yeah, the the Cos, as we used to call them. There was about um, within a year's time, maybe even less, uh, when I was living in Los Angeles after college, where I saw, like, ran into, I don't know how many, but it seemed like the cast of Laugh In was swirling around me. And I remember seeing Artie Johnson in the produce section of Gelson's. Oh. At one point, I saw uh, Gary Owens, you know, beautiful downtown Burbank. Can you do yeah. Gary Owens? From beautiful downtown Burbank. That's it. Thank yeah. you. I saw him uh, twice in two different post offices around town. Uh, Joanne Worley at a party. At it the wasn't Magic on Castle. a portrait next to a... No, no, not that one. Corkboard. <laughs> but it was just the craziest thing. I, I said, wow, laughing is coming to me. And then when I saw him, I thought, maybe I should say something because I knew you knew him, but I, 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 I left him alone. Oh. All right, let's, let's, let's get into some other uh, famous characters you've run across. Tell us about hanging out with the Pope. <laughs> when I, I've said that to people, and they give me this look. Well, you know, sure. You know, Not many people uh, say, you know, they, uh, they, they hung well, out with this, the Pope. This guy's about ready to lay, lay something on me. Okay, it goes back to the time I was in Salzburg, Austria. I was up in the castle way above the hill above the river. Give us, uh, is this? I was a tourist. After school, this is the 19... I'd been just graduated medical school, as a matter of fact. Okay, so And my parents gave me a three-month trip to Europe. This is 1950... Uh, 59. 1959. Yeah, I got out of medical school three months early uh, because I took some courses in the previous summer. Okay. Uh, Okay. And I was up in the castle. There, there was. They have. I don't know if you've been in there. That castle up on I've the hill. I've not been to that castle. Well, they have trick fountains that turn on people, and you'll sit on something, and you get drenched, and everybody, oh. everybody laughs. And and I saw a guy there who, was, who got drenched, and uh, I walked up to him and I said, "Well, I guess you needed a shower or something." And he laughed like hell. He says, "No, I'm Robert Hall." And I said. You don't sell clothing, do you? He said, no, I'm Robert Hall. And I said, well, I'm Dr. Steed. How are you? <laughs> and we got to talking and having a few uh, Hellas Brown uh, and we were having a good time. Yeah, yeah. And he says, what are you doing? And I said, I'm going around Europe for three months to kick the gong. And he said, uh, are, you, are you driving? And I said, yeah, why? He said, if you, if you take me with you, he said, I'll share half the price of of gas. Gas, yeah. Well, I said, what the hell? He seemed like a really decent guy. As a matter of Another American guy? Yeah. Yeah. But as a matter of fact, he was a very decent guy. Nice to travel with. I enjoyed enjoyed shooting the breeze. Mm -hmm. Well, we get down to Rome, and we go on to the, you know, the Via Consiglazione is where the the street from the river uh, of the Tiger up to the Vatican Okay, that, and we stayed there in an in a nunnery. Believe it or not, <laughs> they turned it. In. <laughs> you got thee to a nunnery, huh? Yeah, you always say, uh. you know, no, they just don't get none. Uh, they. Uh, and, and, you can uh, laugh out loud, Lauren. It, I mean, <laughs> oh, we like to encourage him. I see Lauren over there trying to stifle it. Anybody, Let's encourage the doctor. Yeah. We made a. We were having a wonderful time, and and we went through. He was Catholic. He told me, mm-hmm. and uh, we were we were in the Vatican Museum. And having just a wonderful time. And he said to me, would you like to have a personal audience with the Pope? <laughs> I said, well, p- 
pull the needle out of your vein, but what do you really want? And he said, no, I can get you an audience with the Pope. I said, the Pope himself in person? He said, yeah. I said, may I ask how we're going to do this? And he said, he reached in his pocket, he pulls out a letter. The letter comes from, you know what the Knights of Columbus are? They're very well known in the United States. Sure. His father was the national president of the Knights of Columbus ah. in the United States. Wow, so we went to the papal office, and I didn't—I still didn't think we were gonna do it. And he, he handed the letter to the secretary who was there. She read it so far. She says, come back at Thursday morning at 10.30 and wear a coat and a tie, you know, look decently. <laughs> yeah. And so, I we we did. We, I rarely uh, see you without a coat and a tie. By yeah, the way. well, and I'm not being sarcastic. You are always a sharp dressed man. Well, I, that's how. I was, that's another matter between my, myself and my mother. Okay. Uh, uh, anyway, we get there and uh, the the Swiss guard. You remember those hellaciously funny. Do you know what they look oh, like? Oh, yeah, the very kind of overblown kind of, costume. Yeah, with, with the big with, axes. With the big lance. Yeah. They carry a lance. Okay. Picked us up, just took us up to the papal park apartments, and there was Leo the Twelfth. He was very, very slight, small man, and looked rather ill. Mm. He was on like a semi semi throne, and when and there was people, there were people from other countries who were there also. And he got out of his throne after everybody got whatever, and he walked around to all of us and talked to us. And uh, there was a Jewish man from the United States who said to him, uh, uh, Shalom Aleichem, which means, as we know, uh, peace be with you. And he thought he was from Israel. He started speaking Hebrew to this guy. Wow. Somebody came from Russia. He started speaking Russian. Wow. He was a polyglot. Lithuania. Speaking Lithuanian, uh, unbelievable. And speaking it well. I mean, com- oh, com- oh, conver- com- conversationally. I mean, yes. And I, I was really, I was really blown away. I, I knew that the Pope usually is a pretty sharp guy. Yeah. He was unbelievable. Uh, he came up to ask me what I did, and I just told him I, I just graduated medical school, and he said to me, uh, he whatever laid hands on me. Uh, why did you do that? Because I. Did you know the Pope wears a little uh, skull cap yeah. uh, like uh, like a yarmulke? Mm-hmm. He took his off and handed it to me, and I gave picked mine out of my pocket and handed it, and, and the Pope put on my cap. Okay, I'm astounded by two things in that story. First, well, that you got the Pope's skull cap. Right. Second, that you had a yarmulke just on you. Oh no pocket. no no! I beg your pardon. I oh, knew okay. I'd heard that he might. Do that. Oh, okay. He had a yeah, reputation. No, I was. I was. <laughs> He's a known yarmulke trader. <laughs> okay. No, I. I should have. Well, I'm sorry. I met. I hastened. I, do I, you I, still have that skull cap? I gave it to a nurse that I knew was a very devout Catholic. Oh, that's good. That's good. I thought that she was going to faint and fall on the ground. She was so moved. Mm, I mean, it, it was incredible. One uh, of your nurses. Yeah, uh, it was a nurse that I knew in the operating room, and uh, she she was a very devout Catholic, and I I sort of prepared her because I I I worried a little bit, and she almost turned pale and 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 fell on the ground. Mm. She thanked me, thanked me, and thanked me, 
And I said, uh, I wish I had the uh, sense of conviction uh, uh, about my religion that you have. It's it's quite wonderful. Yeah. It's quite wonderful to see. Any rate, I have I've been I was back in in Rome last fall, and uh, I w- wanted to go back to see where I had stayed in the, in the old nunnery, mm-hmm. and it no longer is a nunnery. I mean, it's not a hotel anymore. Yeah. Which I said to my I wanted to show it off to my wife that I had stayed in this nunnery, but. Well, what the heck, you know, you win a few, lose a few. Uh, Did you ever hear from Robert Hall again? As a matter of fact, for about a year or so, once in a while I get a note from him, and then all of a sudden our male conversations went, uh, went to pot. Mm. He was a lovely guy, very very smart guy. Very, I can't even remember what he was going to do. It was something aesthetic. I do remember that, something in the arts. Mm. And I should have... It had to do with the business part of, of, of theatrical business, as I require. Yeah, I'm almost positive that was it. You know, what, it, what a great guy to come across and have well, kind of uh, flow through your life for a little bit. Again, you know, some cautious people would have said to you, well, here's some guy you see here you never met before in your life, and you're going to put him in your car and drive all over to hell and gone and so forth. I said, well, yeah. You want to have some fun? You got to take some ch- some chances. <laughs> well, I mean, you are, as you said, we're going off to Southeast Asia tomorrow. But people, yeah. but people talk about travel and that, and I think again, you have to be willing to take some chances mm-hmm. once in a while, and uh, it's paid off big for me. I've had a chance to meet all kinds of people in in different kind of work and so forth, which I've enjoyed. All right, speaking of different kinds of work, big shots, operating room, Southeast Asia. Oh yeah. I think I recall hearing that you once performed surgery, not on this person, but under the scrutiny of uh, the king of Thailand. Yes, who just died this week. Yeah. Yes, I, I, I did. We have to go back to my, I was a, a, at one time studying for a PhD in biology, and bi- biochemistry, when I was at the University of Chicago. And my roommate was, uh, the head of the Department of Physiology at Chugalongkorn University in Bangkok, Vecna Travasesh. At any rate, uh, we, we sort of kept up with one another when he went back to Thailand. The hospital, the Chugalongkorn Hospital where he worked, was the pet project of the King of Siam. Mm. At that time, the king was interested in cleft lip and cleft palate repair. Don't ask me why, but he did. And he was talking with Vec about that. Incidentally, there are five levels of, of address uh, in Thailand. Uh, uh, and the highest level, the fifth level, yeah. is the one you use only when speaking to the king. So this is yeah, almost that, like a secret language. Well, not, not very many people know how to speak it. Mm. Vec did. And, uh, and Vec said to him, well, gee, a guy that I room with at the University of Chicago is a, a plastic surgeon who does those operations. And he said, oh, great, he said. I'll get one, our residents to line up a couple cases, tell them to bring his instruments, and he would he be would he mind uh, demonstrating how it's done. So the king himself brought king, you to the, Thailand. The, the king, yeah. Wow. Well, I was there. I, t- I was taking a patient back to West Pakistan. Uh, was a paranoid schizophrenic, but that's another story. Okay, another story. <laughs> uh, 
We'll look at any rate, that one. So uh, the case was lined up, and, and we have residents here, they call them in the United States, they call them registrars in, in the UK hospital system. They, a whole bunch of them came down to watch, and that didn't bother me at all to have them watch me. But a man walked in the room, and I could tell he wasn't a member of the house medical staff. <laughs> and I said to somebody next to me, who is that guy? He says, that's the king. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> and he came over and he said, would you mind if he spoke perfect English, of course. He was educated in England. Mm -hmm. He said, would you mind if I asked you some questions once in a while? I said, I said no. But I tell you, I, that really started to shake me up. That's I mean, got to be hard having to well, I mean, talk to somebody he, while you're operating. Yeah, I know. Well... I do that. I always told jokes when I operated. Oh, I, I, the, the nurses wouldn't start cases till they got a gag. <laughs> I said, "Give me, can I have the scalpel, please? What's the joke for the day?" I'd say, "Right now, I want to start the case. That's the joke of the day." No, you don't get the instrument till you tell us a story. So I was. Meanwhile, sitting, somebody's on the table. <laughs> oh, you're asleep, ready to go. <laughs> you know, and okay. I and in the dressing room, getting it ready. I would run around to all the doctors and say, tell me a gag, tell me a new story, something. I won't be able to start my case. <laughs> any, any, uh, your reputation. Uh, anyhow, we, uh, I had a lot of fun. You, you know, if, I think sometimes if you don't laugh once in a while, you've got a, a problem on your hands. No, it's very apparent the way you live your life. I'm just curious, the king, he approved of what you did and you well, somehow inspired it, the, uh, the project? I had the fortune to be trained by one of the, I think, one of the best guys in the world, a, a, a Dr. Thomas Cronin, who had the Cronin lip repair, which I used. He was a wonderful, inspired teacher. And uh, so I, I, it was just the fact that talking to a guy who, how many million people uh, were going to obeisance before this man, you know, that's pretty impressive. Uh, and uh, I have to tell you also, my roommate, uh, it was my first trip to Thailand, and uh, I wanted to see their old traditional dances and the music and all that goodies. And what he wanted to show, show me was how modern they were, so they took me out to see uh, heavy, obese, heavy ladies coated in mud wrestling. <laughs> I mean, I mean that, that kind of stuff, I mean, you know, and, and fr Spanish yeah. dancing and I mean, and all, and gambling and all that. And he wanted to show how modern. I didn't come to Thailand to look at the modern life. I came there to to, to enjoy the review of their history. Mm -hmm. But uh, he also got, uh, took me to a wonderful place. To, do you know that in Thailand, in those days, you put down about seventy dollars, and they measure you, and in twenty four hours later. You walked into their salon and you had a brand new suit made for you. Sounds great. And Charlene, he took her to get raw silk and had a couple dresses made for her. Now that's very Thai, of yeah. course. Beautiful, I'm sure. Anyhow, he he was a great roommate and a lot of fun. He gave me a great sense of humor. He came from a family thing. I'm going. I'm, I digress, but I will say, that if I could pattern my life. I would think it would be pretty much out of Vecna Travisesh. He knew how to go with with the punches. You, you know, smile and the world smiles with you. Well, 
Well, I get that feeling from you as well. I mean, I've, I've, I mean, you're my uncle. I spend a lot of time with you, but I, I do view you as somebody to model. I think general mm. attitude, um, because you're always have had a positive, positive influence on people, um, good humored, and you just you have this joie de vie, right? This you're kind of a bon vivant. What other foreign if words I do spoke, I know, Lauren? If I spoke French, I really would understand. <laughs> Sadly, yeah. I don't you'd know s- any. You'd slap me. Uh, <laughs> but, but you, you know, you want to make sure that I mean, you do make sure business is taken care of, but you're also going to enjoy life as well. And uh, this comes up when I speak to uh, folks who know you, mm. and um, they always ask how you're doing, and they always say, "My God, that guy is one of my favorite people." Always has a good joke. He's always doing something fun. You know, he plays music. He tells jokes. He's out every night. But you also, as I said, you also know what deserves to be taken seriously, and you know when it's time to have a good time as well. Yeah, well, I think that's... But I, I'm glad you brought this up because that's probably one of the principles of my life is to, as we say in, say in Yiddish, you have to quell which means to really enjoy yourself, yeah. to have a good time. Because what is life all about unless you do? I mean, nobody wants to listen to somebody grouchy and uh, complaining about anything. Of course, my dad used to say, well, that's the old joke, that you could complain and 20%, uh, no, 80% don't really care, and the other 20% think you deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to do any good otherwise. Do yeah. you. So look at the, at the happy side of life. Uh, because that, to me, that's a very important part. And travel, too. Did you know that 70% of the United States has never had a passport? I've heard a statistic like that, yeah. yeah uh, you know, God, I couldn't believe uh, that I could have lived my 88 years without getting around uh, life and seeing the world and people and experiencing a variety of stuff. I think I'm actually one of those 70%. Well, Lauren, what do you say? Let's head to Mexico, shall we? Let's get you a passport and let's go partying down in Cabo. Well, I'll tell no, you. I think, but I, I say that in jest, but I think it's very important. It, it, it can open your eyes to what the world's about. Keeps you from becoming either complacent or, pardon the word, but ignorant. And I only mean that of just not having knowledge of who's out in the world, what other cultures there are, how the world works. And it's, it's to me, it is a life enriching. And I certainly haven't traveled anywhere nearly as much as you have, uh, doctor. But uh, when I do get out, it's, I feel a sense of, of joy. And there's actually, um, God, this is going to sound corny, but as if there's a, a um, filling of my soul happening when I am soaking in some other place, hearing another language, interacting with Beautiful. those people and seeing how they live, even if it's not even that different from me, but especially when it is, uh, it's, it's, you know, the great author Mark Twain said, show me anyone who's been around the world at least once. And I'll show you a non-prejudiced person. I definitely think it helps to, to crumble the walls of prejudice. Absolutely. Yeah. There's no doubt. I've had the fortune. I mentioned this before once, but I will tell you, uh, I've been married to a wonderful woman who went along with all my craziness and would jump. She contributed a few spots also. Oh, I have no doubt. But uh, she she went along with all this nonsense, and for that I'm forever grateful. I really am. Dr. Allenstein, 
I want to thank you for joining us here today at the Wiki Wiki Grog Shop. And I want to wish you a bon voyage, happy, safe, and fun travels. And we're going to hear about it right back here when you return. I thought you were going to wish me happy journey. <laughs> okay, happy journey. <laughs> bon voyage. <laughs> From the Wiki Wiki Grog Shop in the beautiful Napa Valley, this is 151 Swizzle Lauren Mole speaking for Judd's Napa Valley Show, a Gil Lamar production. Judd's Napa Valley Show.